Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So live and exclusive international cricket returns to TalkSport 2 in the coming weeks with England's ODI series in South Africa and their two-test series in New Zealand, both live on the station. We'll build up uh, over the course of the show to those two tours. As well as that, England fast bowler Saki Mahmood joins us to discuss his upcoming trip to Sri Lanka with the England Lions. A newly appointed, what used to be called fast bowling coach, is now elite pace bowling coach Neil Killeen joins us to reflect on his new role and leaving Durham after 30 years with the county. And we'll end the show by looking at a change of national coaches in South Africa and some of the big domestic stories in English cricket, so plenty to come over the next hour. As always, you're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. So, Army, what's wetting your appetite more? England uh, playing in South Africa, three ODIs, Joffre Archer's return to international cricket, or the two test matches in New Zealand? I think the two test matches in New Zealand, man, it's because it's minute in time. I'm doing all three ODIs, but I'll be still cold in London. By the time we get to New Zealand and the test match is starting Mount Monganui, I'll have a shorts on, a T-shirt on, I'll be sitting right next to you, who has been sitting in the warmth for the last few weeks in uh, in South Africa and in, in Australia. But look, whichever series, I think both are going to be fantastic entertainment. Um, it's brilliant to have them on, on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. Well, mate, Goffey's going to come back and pop in for a day. We've got Mickey Arthur coming on and joining us. We've got a whole host of big names, and to have cricket on um, on Talksport is is fantastic, especially the the Red Bull side. Because I think if you had said twelve months ago we've got two Test matches in New Zealand, I think we would have been turning our nose up at it and going, I'm "Not looking forward to that." After the last pitches that we had at Mount Monganui, where they broke Joffrey Archer, like you mentioned, fifty yard overs. Um, the way that team was playing 12 months ago, thinking, right, we could be going over for 10 days bowling cricket. 
not on the McCullum and Stokes. Been a massive transformation, and I'm really looking forward, up close and personal, talking about this fantastic side, which will be two test matches, or there's three test matches between now and the Ashes. Probably the most eagerly awaited Ashes series there has been in a long, long time. It's going to be excellent to see it close and, uh, and talk about it. There are so many different storylines to explore, and I want to um, ask you about McCullum and Stokes going back, both going back to their homeland. I mean, they both said that they wanted to get people talking about Test cricket again and, and watching Test cricket, and my goodness me, they've managed that because um, the anticipation ahead of those two Test matches is is just huge. Uh, but uh, just before that, the storyline that is obviously fascinating me is um, what is at stake in these ODIs coming up in South Africa? For South Africa, it is automatic qualification for the World Cup in India at the end of the year. They need, there are still some mathematical permutations, but they need to win that series. Otherwise, they go to Harare to play the pre-qualifiers along with the likes of the hosts, Zimbabwe and and Ireland and Scotland and, and the Netherlands, who knocked them out of the T20 World Cup. So that there is a huge amount at stake. They are currently without a coach, a white ball coach, because Rob Walter, who takes over that team, doesn't start until the 1st of February, and the first ODI is on the 27th of January. They don't have a management or a coaching team in place. They need to win two out of the three games and then win their remaining two ODIs against the Netherlands <laughs> in April. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's one team with everything to gain and lose what does it mean for england i think england is just as there's just as much on it because there's 14 players going over there and there's 14 players going over there going if i don't perform here i might not go to india it's as simple as that the england cricket team in white ball cricket is one of the hardest sports teams for me to get into you know world champion in 50 over world champion in 2020 so what's on stake on that is 11 blokes that get selected are going to have to perform because if they don't perform, they might be out of team. So that's that's a pressure in itself. So I think that it's, it's going to be a fascinating series. You're, you're right. South Africa don't need to go through this qualify, the pre-qualify. We've seen what happened to the West Indies in the, the T20 competition. Sranka, more professional, they scraped through and got into, into the World T20 competition. But if you don't go with the right mindset, you'll get beat off Netherlands. You'll get beat off Scotland. You'll get beat off Ireland. Zimbabwe are at home who are getting stronger. You know, Gary Balance has just gone back to play for them. He's no mug. He's a proper player. So you don't want the pressures of being the big boy that everybody wants to beat, even though it's just a short plane ride away in Harare. You want to go there and, and, and you want to be going to, to the, the sort of the major tournament having already qualified. One thing I will say, Manners, we're watching, and I haven't seen a great deal of it. I've seen bits of it more when Joffrey was bowling because I wanted to see where he was at. Um, this SA20, that has got to have enhanced the performance of the 11 players that South Africa are going to pick from ability point of view to play against England. The problem I see, and it's always been the case for the likes of Pakistan and sometimes South Africa, a lot of the time with the West Indies, is the mentality of the individual. The players will be in decent form because they're going to pick 11 players to play against England who are smashing it everywhere in the SA20. But if them players are mentally with it against a good England side, then they'll they'll fall by the wayside and not be, they'll, they'll get beat. So there's a huge amount of pressure for South Africa. One, you'd hope they'd stand up to the occasion, but it depends 
on the politics behind South African cricket because that always seems to, every time you go too forward, it tends to knock you, not one back, but one and a half back. Yeah, um, and I don't think that the South African team, national team, is in a very good place at all. They're, as, as I said, are coachless at the moment. And I think they're largely feeling um, a little bit leaderless. And they have all gone to their various uh, franchises in the SA20. And it's a form of escapism. But um, the crowds have been good and they have been performing well. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by that that series, but mostly with what is at stake for South Africa. Now, let's go back to, to Basball. Um, I understand that um, Brenda McCullum and Ben Stokes have, uh, if not been on a on a tour of the county ground, they've certainly been speaking to the county coaches uh, and and encouraging them. This is a question. I'm phrasing this as a question: encouraging them to embrace uh, the basketball style of play in in domestic cricket. And as always, the erudite, fascinating Mickey Arthur, who will be joining us for the first two ODIs on commentary. Uh, let's hear his thoughts. He was speaking to H and J um, a little bit earlier on Talk Sport. It was very interesting to listen to and. And fairly enlightening, you know. It was um, the, the the approach they've come in with has been has been exceptional and very exciting. And you know they've taken the England cricket team to places I think that they didn't think they could get to. But it must be on the basis of England having some very very talented cricketers who are able to play with that freedom and and get it right more often than not. Steve Harmison made a good point to us yesterday, Mickey. He was saying that it's all very well if you're a, a player that plays a lot of franchise cricket and the riches around that and maybe on a nice central contract. You can take risks. You can take chances. You can play with that freedom. When you're maybe a county player on 30 grand a year and uh, your career and your contract is rested on you maybe getting runs, mm. maybe it's not quite so easy to play without that fear factor. Good point. No, that's a harmony as always made, makes another very good point there. He's a hundred percent right. You think of of the young players that are going to come into that England cricket team, and it's really hard just to walk in there from 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 the word go and play with that freedom. But if you've got the backing and if you've got the trust of your leadership group, and they allow you to flourish in that environment, but also give you the security of saying you you, you know you're in it for a period of time, yeah, it does allow you to play with that little bit more freedom. You know, one wonders what would happen when things just start going wrong or, or they lose a couple of games. Do they panic? Do they change that? Which route do they go? Do they do they change personnel? Because at the minute, it's really exciting and it's, and it's been liberating almost to watch. I mean, the young sort of English players in the Derbyshire squad, Mickey, I mean, are they, are they excited by the prospect of it? Do you, you kind of talk about it at, at the county? Yeah, we do. You kind of talk about your brand, and I think it's really important to play your brand. And certainly from the time I was playing professional cricket in South Africa to now, the game has moved forward considerably. So so as a coach, you've got to change the way you coach and you've got to change your outlook on the game as well because, you know, these young players are coming in now. They, they're playing with a, with a freedom that, that certainly I was never allowed to or certainly... I would never thought was right at that at that particular time. Cricket's moved on so much, made it such a more uh, spectacular sport, I think. And these young players now, they come into the game with no fear of failure. I sometimes look at them and, and I see some of them that are bulletproof. And I'm thinking, wow, if only I had that type of uh, mentality when I played. Mm. So it is a, it's a different generation now. 
And we as coaches have got to move with the times. That was uh, former South Africa, Australia, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka, and current Derbyshire coach, Mickey Arthur, talking to H&J a little bit earlier on. You featured in that, Harmi. And um, as Mickey said, you brought up a brilliant point. Um, it's all well and good, as you said, asking players to play with this um, carefree desire to win and, and to, to put <laughs> being prepared to lose in order to win and then embracing this, uh, this fashion. Uh, and that's all very good for the elite, isn't it? It's like asking the world's top, top golfers, all of whom are multimillionaires, to go for the pin on every green. Yeah. <laughs> but, but most golfers can't afford to take that risk, and, and the same applies to cricket. Yeah, 100%. And I welcome what Ben and Brendan uh, have done with the county coaches and the county chief executives. I would have gone the other way if it was me, Manners. I'd have gone Ben and Brendan talking through the Professional Cricketers Association to cricketers themselves not to the coaches and the directors of cricket because we've had many conversations and it come, it's going to come up Steve Smith's going to play for Sussex if I'm a director of cricket I don't care about whether Steve Smith's going to get bat and practice against England you know my job is to look after Sussex or Durham or whoever I want to have one eye in England no question I will be helping England as much as I possibly can but my job my job's on the line about my county performing and if I can get Steve Smith I'll go and do that where from Ben and Brendan, what they were trying to do is to try and talk about the carefree attitude of playing and this is how we're going to get in the England team and when you get in the England team, this is the way we're going. I probably would have been going down the player route and talking to the academy player, the under, under 16, under 18, under 21 players who are going into these into their first professional contracts and giving them an insight on what it's going to take because a player at 27, 28, 29, Who's on forty grand a year at one of the smaller counties? He's not gonna. He's not gonna be playing carefree. He's thinking, right? Can I get a contract? Can I play well enough to get to all end of July, August, September? And maybe this is the wrong mindset. But this is the, This is a sort of doggy dog mindset. Can I play well till July and August to keep my contract for next year to make sure my mortgage gets paid and my rent gets paid and my kids are getting food and everything like that? It's very, very difficult for me to sort of comprehend that message going in through a director of cricket and a coach at the first-class level. For me, I'd be going in at the academy level, trying to drive these players into different mindsets and the thought process of how the game is played to then go through that it's used to, it, it's ingrained in them before they have to then start talking about financial ramifications of contracts when they're going through a bad spell. So I, I warm to it, brilliant. Brilliant. More information Stokes and McCullum can give to these to the to English cricket. I'm all for it. But I think the maybe's missed a trick and not gone down Academy junior player role as opposed to going in with coaches and director of cricket. Fascinating. We'll be uh, watching with a keen eye. And a reminder, of course, that uh, you can hear live and exclusive ball by ball commentary of England's two test series in New Zealand on Talksport two. It all gets underway on Thursday, the sixteenth of February. And before that, of course, we bring you England's upcoming ODI series against South Africa, which begins next week. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And I'm delighted to say, as promised at the top of the show, we're joined live now by England fast bowler Saki Mahmood, who's uh, on his way back um, from injury, a frustrating year. But uh, thank goodness for the Lions. And uh, Saki, I, I suppose... You know, the, your your recall um, to the Lions and for the tour of Sri Lanka is 
a fabulous example of why the Lions setup is is so important. Uh, um, and congratulations, are you are you fully fit and raring to go? Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to class myself as as fully fit. Now I always put people up when they say how's the rehab going. Rehabs for for somebody who's still injured, so I sort of tell everyone I'm fit. And um, yeah, look, it's, it's it's a great opportunity. I was, I was supposed to be. You know, playing in the UAE T20 League um, this month, but it sort of came just a little bit too soon. Um, and it's it's great that we've got the Lions opportunity even out in the um, in the subcontinent. So it means I can sort of get out and play. I'm not being thrown straight into an international game first up. But yeah, it's it's, it's obviously a great standard to start in, and um, yeah, in the subcontinent as well, which is where the World Cup will be later this year. So yeah, look, I'm really excited for that. Sakib, just on 2022. It sometimes as a bowler, I know myself, when you get an injury, you get time to reflect and take you into the place, you know, your own place and what drives you forward. And then sometimes there's like a re- reset of goals and you know, where you go from there. How hard was 2022 for you after unbelievable chance in the West Indies? And then now where's your mindset going forward after having all that time out and reflect on where you want to take your career forward? Yeah, look, I think it's it was frustrating for many reasons but I think more so because you know my first test squad was back in in 2019 and the competition among fast bowlers at the moment is is very high and you know there's a good crop of us all challenging for a spot and you know I got my chance after two and a half years which you know I felt like I did all right out in the Caribbean and then you know also the start of this season preparing for for the first test chose not to go to the IPL to prepare you know because it was like this is my chance in test cricket so I wanted to take it and, and be completely ready for it and um, I don't really like to look too far ahead but I think in that moment I was gearing everything towards playing in a test shirt and then you know a week before the New Zealand test match at Lords it all sort of gets taken away from you and I think that that was that was the initial tough bit and, and watching that on telly as well was, was hard work but I think you know you sort of process it there's a, there's a period where you reflect like you said and then when you start getting back into things and that's when the drive really comes back in, and, and for me, if I'm honest, I, it, after a month or two, I had I had three over three months of complete shutdown. But then, when I was close to getting to bowling again, I started to look at my action. I started to look at things. I started because I knew I had time on my side. I wanted I wanted to come back a better bowler. These days, it's it's so hard to work on something or grow something new just with the amount of cricket you've got. So, you know, I tried to change my mindset into using this time wisely to try and come back a better bowler and, and grew things which I've always wanted to but I've just never had the time to. Talking of changing mindsets uh, Osaki, I just wonder what you thought of uh, watching England and the way they play and winning nine out of the, uh, the last ten test matches. Uh, Stuart Broad was laughing and joking the other day um, about you know turning to Ben Stokes every now and then saying, do, do you think we can lose the fifth slip now? Um, for, and he's saying, no, 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 no five slips in a gully, that's the way we're going. That's <laughs> um, it's <laughs> Are you are you excited or, or maybe even slightly intimidated by bowling in in the new Ben Stokes Brendan Hickelam era? <laughs> I'm I'm actually really excited, and I think I think I'm quite lucky because in 2021 I played under under Stokes as captain in the Pakistan series. It was a COVID squad where the main guys got COVID, so then the second squad came in. And I had great success over over the 350 ODIs we played. And even then, we we had an attack and roll. I mean, Babar Azam, number one batter in the world throughout the whole. Every time I bowled him, I had three slips in and no cover, and that's in a white ball game. I remember, <laughs> I remember having four slips in a fifty-over game at Lords. So 
you know, sort of experience all of these things. And if if I'm honest, I, I felt like it brought the best out in me as well because it's it's a bowler and a captain thing. And Army will be able to tell you as well is when you make decisions, it's, it's something a bowler speaks to their captain about. And and that was exactly what happened in that series. You know, we always took the positive option, and I feel like when you both buy into it, it naturally just brings the best out in you. It helps have a captain that you know you get on well with. I was out in the Caribbean and seeing close hand how, how well you and Stokes you got on. So how important is that, having a captain that you are comfortable of talking to? You are, even if you're going through a bit of a, a dodgy feel in, in a session and spell and thinking, I've many times that I feel that I, I really don't have any idea what I'm doing here. I've got no control. My rhythm's not great. But I had someone like Michael Vaughan stand next to me and I could tell him what I felt. How easy it to talk to Ben in that way because of your relationship with him? I think when you obviously have a good relationship with someone and, and that person is a captain, I think what it allows you to do is is be honest, like you've just said there. And, you know, he's he's always at mid-off. And, you know, when I was watching in the summer, that's where he sort of fielded since he's come back in after his uh, his finger. So um, it's just that sort of, you know, when you have a good relationship, it means you can, you can chat constantly. And I think he reads the game well, so... A lot of the time, you're just talking about the game, and if you feel like something isn't working, I feel like he's the type of person you you can tell him, and you can tell him your ideas as well, and, and he takes out on board. So, look, I, what he's done in the past twelve months, well, just under twelve months, has, has been amazing for for the English game, and um, me sort of sat on the sidelines and, and watching a little bit. It's it's definitely a team which you want to be a part of. You know, sort so similar to the England team after 2015 everyone in the county set up and everyone around is like eagerly trying to get into that team and I feel like it's the same now with, with the test squad um, and and for me definitely something which you know hopefully in 2023 I can I can break into that and play some part in it You've got some competition you're sitting there you're sitting there with a lightning shirt on and probably the, the the biggest competition the best one is the oldest one and that's Jimmy um, but tech, you know I've brought Anderson out of it because they're probably not got yeah, you know, a year or two left in them. The rest of the the rest of the bowling group. How exciting is it to be a part of trying to get into the group first and foremost, being part of what is ten, twelve very, very good fast bowlers who are ranging between the ages of sort of twenty four and twenty four and thirty. Yeah, there's there's so many around, and and everyone's different. Everyone has their own skill set, and I think that's what's going to be important for me. I think. You know, I'm sat here at Old Trafford. I play most of my Lancashire games at Old Trafford. I feel like it requires a certain skill set to do well here. Now, it's it's one of the flattest wickets, I think, in the country. And, you know, there's not much for fast bowlers on here if you, if you don't get it right, especially on the county wickets where, where they can be quite slow. And for me, I think my aim at the start of the season is trying to be as good a bowler as I can at Old Trafford because I think that opens up a spot in an Ashes Test match here at Old Trafford, and and that's that's been my thinking, and I think that obviously comes from doing well for Lancashire here. But um, I I I think it's one of my strengths playing here as well, and if I can transfer that into, even if it means playing one Test match in an Ashes series and, and playing a part here at Old Trafford, then if that's my role, then you know I'll try and be ready for that. But I think you know trying to trying to do something like that can open up more options as well. So for me. I understand there's a there's a lot of competition, but I think I've got to focus on what my strengths are, what my skill set is, and and how that may be used on in, in certain conditions and certain grounds. You mentioned about uh, turning down an offer from the IPL to concentrate on red ball cricket. I think it's fair to say that um, the majority of players take a little while to to settle in into Test cricket. 
Um, and if I may be so bold, you you didn't um, take very long. <laughs> I think you looked very much at home and very much part of uh, of Test cricket. You looked like you belonged. And it's also fair to say that some players take years before the Barmy Army embrace them with their own <laughs> with their own chant. They they took to you straight away. Um, that must have been a big part of you just taking to Test cricket. <laughs> yeah, I look. I, I mean, I think it was one of those where. It's not going to be wrong. The wicket was obviously ridiculously flat, and it's it's not the wicket you want on your debut. You know, you see spinners turning up on on a on an absolute ragger and taking fifers, and yeah, it, it was flat. But I think I think that's where my mindset is different, and it's something I've got used to. Like I mentioned, playing at Old Trafford is you see opposition bowlers who are used to playing on green seamers, and they come to Old Trafford, and I love to watch the first half an hour because you can you can just see. Sometimes it's after one over. Sometimes it's after two overs. Sometimes it's every most fast bowlers here within their first bowl. You just see body language, and that's what gets me going. That's where I want my point of difference to really stand up. And you know, we talk about wickets here, and I'm almost like, you know, what, make them as flat as possible because that that we're going to take twenty wickets, and the opposition aren't. And similar in that test in in Barbados, I really saw it as a challenge. I, di- I didn't feel intimidated that. Or, you know, I didn't drop my shoulders or anything thinking this is a flat wicket, this is not what I wanted on debut. I just thought, how am I going to make the most of it? And it took me a long time to get my first wicket, but, you know, I just wanted to really show that resilience just to make sure that I kept asking questions and, you know, I got a little bit of success and then it happened pretty quickly. So, yeah, that, I think that's where mindset and, and sort of my upbringing here at Old Trafford has been key. And uh, and and with the chant, I remember one of my mates was out there, and and he told me that the night before the game, he said, "I swear they're singing your songs around the bars here." And I was like, "Nah, I don't have a song." And then I remember in the um, in the morning, one of the guys, while I was doing the warm ups and sort of taking catches on the boundary, sort of mentioned, "We've got a song for you," and, and listen out for it. But yeah, sort of had to wait a couple of days before before I got out there, and uh, yeah, it's quite cool actually. A final thought about um, Sri Lanka. Um, you're not going to get any green seamers out there, are you? No, <laughs> no. Um, but you, like, like I said, it's it's good prep again. You know, there's a World Cup in India at the back end of the year. Um, I'm not focusing too much on that, but it is at the back of my mind. And Sri Lanka will be a good test for it. And, you know, there's Bangladesh after that. You know, there'll be a squad released at some point. But if I can, if I can do well in Sri Lanka and hopefully be ready, who knows? if I might have a part to play in that or not. But um, it's a challenge. And, and before I get into the summer and focus on red cricket, I think I've got a good chance here to try and bank some white ball cricket in before a heavy sort of two, three months of, of red ball cricket. You don't want to be too good at uh, bowling on flat wickets and, and reverse swing because you'll, you'll end up just being the flat wicket specialist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what that has crossed my mind at some stage I was sort of thinking you know I sh- should be allowed to bowl in the three green seamers but um, yeah look if whatever way these days to try and get into the team I'll, I'll, I'll take it and you know there's definitely a lot of competition so um, it'd be great to force my way back in uh, sooner rather than later well it's been fantastic to have you on the show thank you very much indeed for your time and um, I'm glad the rehab is all done and you're fit and raring to go and we look forward to seeing you in Sri Lanka but very best of luck out there thank you you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to the newly appointed England elite pace bowling coach, Neil Killeen, who joins the national setup after spending 30 years in county cricket with Durham. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm delighted to say, as promised, that uh, we are now joined by newly appointed, I was going to say England, bowling coach. But it's the position's been redefined. Neil Killeen is now England elite pace bowling coach. Um, having left Durham after uh, 30 years with the county. We do love uh, a good uh, job uh, rebranding, Killer. Yeah, well, it's actually a little bit shorter than the one I've got in Durham, so it's, uh, we can probably <laughs> fit it on things now, so it's a good thing. Was it a difficult decision? Um, you know, you've you spent over half your life with Durham. Uh, yeah, look, it's always a difficult decision when you've been somewhere for the length of time that I have. 30 years is a long time, man and boy, to be in the same place, and it's... Um, this place is, you, you cut me in half and you'll see the Durham badge. And that's something which did take a lot of thinking about. Um, but when England come calling, there's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm going to take that opportunity. I've, I've always wanted to work as high as I can, whether that be as a player or a coach. And these opportunities don't come around that often. You had a bit of insight into England and the Netherlands. Uh, and then you had a little sample. I was with you uh, at the end of the Durham cricket season as head coach. Durham's head coach came up. England's bowling coach came up. I'm sure you had to go at, at bowls, but which one did you feel as though was the next step for you? Did you? I know you fancied the head coach, but did you feel as though, you know what, working with the elite, just too good to miss up? Yeah, look, I, I'll be totally honest, Tommy. I, I was a little bit torn between what was right and what, what was the best role for me. Um, I did go for the, the Durham head coach job and, and unfortunately didn't get that one, which was a bit disappointing. That was a, a sort of branch of my career that, that I was curious about. But I think the, the specialism and the fastballing side of things is something which which I am passionate about. And I knew the England job was coming up. 
So it was a bit of a bittersweet sort of end and not getting the Durham job, knowing that this was coming up. And this is something that I'm really excited about this role. And during the summer, dipping into working with the full side and seeing the sort of the environment and the vibe that's going around the England South at the moment, it's very, very exciting cricket that they're playing. And when that was white ball, obviously the test side has, has kicked on since then under Ben and under Baz McCullum. And, and, and I think to not want to be involved in that, it would have been career suicide for me. And, and I think that's something which I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to whichever way that goes. And, and the beauty of this role is that I get to experience a bit of everything, a bit of white ball, a bit of red ball, a bit of the next best, a bit of the Lions, a bit of uh, the young Lions, and I get to coach. And that's that's what I really enjoy doing. It's fair to say, I think, that England's fast bowling stocks have never been better supplied at the moment. Um, in cricketing terms, you're, it's almost like you're being put in charge of the crown jewels. Yeah, look, it's you've got to take 20 wickets to win a game of cricket, and, and these boys are, are the ones that play a big part in doing that. The stocks are really high, and I think a big part of my job is going to be sort of planning and, and prepping these guys for for being ready. So we have got a stock, and their job is a lot easier if we've got numbers underneath them. Um, and I think there's some exciting talent around. You've just, you know, and one of Saki is is one of the, the guys that I'm directly responsible for, and I, I had him out in in the UAE and, and know Saki really well through work that we've done in the past. And 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 it's exciting. I've got Brad and Cass. I've got Matt Fisher. I've got Ollie Stone, and then I've got the two Orbiton brothers who, again, are, are very exciting talents. And, and that group of six is my direct responsibility initially to, to plan and prepare them to be ready to go as and when England need them. You've just mentioned six names there. Some of them are red, some of them are white. Where do you get the balance? How do you get the balance? And how do you prepare these guys that you might be... Are you preparing them for all formats or are you just going, right, the next trip around the corner is white ball, we're going to prepare you for white ball. Next trip around the corner is red. We're going to go with red. Homie, that, that's part of the next period of conversation for me. It's around speaking to the powers of Bay, speaking to Keezy, speaking to more Bobat, speaking to Stokesy, speaking to Joss, speaking to the coaches in Morty and, and Baz around what they want, what they need, where the holes are, where the gaps are. What do we need to put into these players in order that when they step up to England, they're ready to play. There's no work to be done. How much of your job is technical, physical, and psychological? Does the fact that you've taken over 500 first-class wickets yourself and you know what it's like to have bleeding feet and and, and sore Achilles and, and all of the... I mean, how, how, where are your strengths? One of my strengths is I understand bowling technically. Obviously, I've played the game for a long time, so, so tactically I'm, I'm very astute as well. And that mental side of the game, to be honest, I've, I've worked in the game for a long time now. And I, one of the big things for me and one of the best pieces of advice that I got on my coaching journey was know the person, know the player. And I think once you learn to know somebody and build a relationship with somebody, you can work with them from there. And I think that's my first port of call with whoever I'm working with, whether it be the six pace contracted lads or whether it be the young Lions or whether it be working up into the England sides. It's about building relationships and getting trust amongst that relationship. I think once you do that, you can actually make strides forward and learn what makes them tick as a person, which will then you can filter into their game as a player. If an international bowler comes to you and says, it doesn't feel right, killer. I, I don't know why. It's, it's not not coming out right. Uh, it's a, can you have a look, see if you can see anything? Is that, does that how, is that how it works? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you find... 
stuff that that relates to all of them and that's happened on the trips you and uh the dubai and abu dhabi trip that we did before christmas was a real good example of that where we were out there with the lions bowlers so we're working with some of them technically we're working with some of them on skills based but around that we had the england boys in and around the group so jimmy was there ollie robinson was there jamie Orvin was there at the time as well and they would dip in and out and different pairs of eyes see different things so again once you've got that relationship with a player you can then, they'll trust you to look at things for them. Just a last couple of things for me. One, how much are you looking forward to Sri Lanka and what will Sri Lanka bring? And the last one is, obviously, it's more of a personal thing. Looking back on 30 years at Durham, highlights of your time as a player, your time as a as a coach. Yeah, what would you like to say to the, the members at Durham? Who I don't think you're finished with Durham just yet. I think there's another chapter in your story, but at this minute in time, because man, is one thing I'll say before he answers the Sri Lanka well. For me, he's one of the best coaches. I'm I'm going to say this publicly. He's one of the best coaches I've I've seen and worked with. And when he say he bleeds Durham, he does. Mum and Dad have sat at the bottom of a cricket ground watching Neil Colleen be an under under ten when he was faster at ten than he was at twenty two, and still be sitting at the bottom of the cricket ground at Durham. Yeah, they've, they've been unbelievable towards Neil's upbringing and, and giving, and he is a testament. He's, he's a credit to his mum and dad, and a credit to Durham. What would you say to the Durham fans who, yeah, you've helped? I'll start with the, the Sri Lanka trip first. I mean, that, that's a challenge in itself. Going out there as, as head coach, which I'm, I'm honoured to be asked to be head coach of that trip, to be honest. It's, it's something which, if I'm going to move in the future to maybe as a head coach role, then I need the experience of doing that. And and that's, a, that's going to be a challenge, but something which I'm I'm really looking forward to. Really good group of players, young players mixed in with some experience as well. Um, and without a doubt, we're going out there to win games of cricket. We're going to look to play in a positive vein. We're going to look to take wickets. We're going to look to score. And we're going to look to win that series. And, and that's something which is exciting to lead that team out there. With regards to Durham, wow, what, I mean, what can I say? 30 years is, has been from the day, it's actually 31 years pretty much to the month that I got called up as a 16-year-old to go to Zimbabwe. Uh, straight out of school, no passport, no experience of traveling abroad. The next thing I know, I'm on a plane with with Wayne Larkins, David Graveney, traveling out to Zimbabwe and haven't looked back since. That made me grow up, made me realize I wanted to play the game. Um, went out there, Jeff Cook gave me that opportunity. Jeff Cook then gave me the next opportunity, which was make my first class debut against the West Indies in 95. Going out there and being presented with my cap was something which, well, look, it's still on a frame on the wall in the, in the house. It's it's something that'll always be there. To then move on to, I never thought I would experience success at Durham. I must admit, we were, we were whipping boys for a long, long time. And the journey that that took to going from that to that first experience of winning that trophy at Lord's is something that, I mean, the photos, I've just looked back at a photo today of, of me, yourself, and Collie after that final, and that's a special moment. And to then go on and win the championship and finish my career at Durham with a game where I walked off the field here in 2010 was special. But then to move into the coaching side, and I think that's also been a, a real journey of, of enlightenment it's, and seeing lads progress seeing Matthew Potts, Brad and Cass, Mark Wood come through to play for England under my remit is something which which is special. I now get the opportunity to still work with them. 
And then the other highlight is, uh, I'd, it would be remiss of me not to mention it, is my son playing for Durham. To now him come on and start his journey and sign his first rookie contract. And he was meant to be flying to Australia today, but he's broken down with a stress problem in his back, which is really unfortunate. But look, he's on that journey of that I've been on, that you've been on, and and we know how special that is. And and that that's a proud moment when I saw him play. He made his debut under my coaching last year. I was head coach when he made his debut in the one day. And that was a special moment. And I'm hopefully going to see many, many more of them. But for now, it's I'd just like to say a big thank you to everybody that gave me the opportunities. Uh, big thank you to Jeff. He gave me everything at the start. Dave Harker, who supported me through that first period as well as, as a chief exec, into now Marcus, Beefy, Tim, and everybody at Durham now who has allowed me to progress into this new role and, and made that really smooth for me. And then the biggest thank you is to the members. I think without them, I wouldn't have a career. They've supported me and they've been there when Durham have been at the worst, but they've been there when Durham have been at the best. My family, to, to Claire, she supported me the whole way. And it's been fantastic. And a final one from me, Neil. I can't let this opportunity go a waste. You shared a room with Durham for the best part of a decade with my co-host. How much did that experience traumatise you and make you the man you are today? Well, he's got no hair manners. <laughs> Look, it's been, that in itself was a journey and one that I wouldn't change for the world. You learn so many things, but I think, man, is what you probably need to do is we, we need to have an adult show version and we can maybe <laughs> talk a bit more about, about those journeys. But now, look, it, it was brilliant. Army's been my best mate through my whole career and, and, and still will be for the rest of my life. And, you know, and their experiences that, that you just can't, you can't buy. And he supported me all the way along and I'm sure he will through the rest of this journey. Absolutely, 100%. I'm chuffed to bits for you. And, man, is, uh, look, Durham have lost... I think one of the best up-and-coming coaches in the country, England have gained one of the best up-and-coming co coaches in the country, and killer, we wish you well in Sri, uh, Sri Lanka. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Matt, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. That was the wonderful Neil Killeen, England's new fast bowling coach. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Okay, it's uh, our favourite part of the show. Um, it's all other business, what's happening around the world. South Africa have decided to split their coaches after the Mark Boucher era, with Shukri Conrad being appointed the test coach and Central Stags head coach Rob Walter. He's been there for the last uh, in New Zealand for the last uh, seven or eight years. Um, he's been appointed as the white ball head coach. Um, very interesting. Lance Klusner was initially um, on the shortlist to be the white ball coach. He withdrew his application. Having uh, having made the shortlist, and not surprisingly, uh, he's got other offers, um, bigger fish to fry, IPL amongst them. Yeah, interesting. Um, Shukri Conrad is uh, a long-serving uh, coach. He's been part of the South African establishment for many years. He's uh, won trophies with the Cobras in Cape Town, also with the Lions, who he coached in, in Joburg. He is, I think, probably a safe choice. He's got very, <laughs> he's got very little work to do. He's got two test matches against the West Indies at the end of March. And then he doesn't work again until December when India come. There is talk of South Africa organising a few more test matches in the meantime. He's also been tasked in the meantime with overseeing South Africa's uh, Red Bull domestic coach, uh, domestic uh, structure. Basically, Harmi, Cricket South Africa, they're in a position where they, the reality is we don't know the way forward 
We're yeah. going to make it up as we go along, yeah. uh, but we but we can't say that because it doesn't sound very good. I think Rob Walter is a good choice, though. I mean, he changed the mindset of uh, the teams that he worked with in New Zealand. He didn't win any trophies, but um, he was very highly regarded. He's thought of as innovative and um, and and forward thinking. So um, he's got a hell of a job ahead of him, though. His his first major task could be to go to Harare to get the team into the World Cup. Yeah, he could be out of a job by the end of by the start of the World Cup, and that's how sort of fickle and bizarre the the politics is. And I look at it and go, well, before the the World sort of Test Championship or the World Program was put together, you're thinking, right, split coaches are the way to go forward. But actually, on the, in the in the countries that are only going to play twelve Test matches in five years, is split coaches the way to go? Because literally, you're redundant for. For most of the year, so I, I like the the appointment of uh, of Rob Walters because you talk about he's a very a modern thinking coach, very innovative. But this is the way South African cricket's going to have to go because of the SA twenty. They're going to play a lot more short format cricket against play, better players playing with better players against better players. So you'd hope that because of that, you know, the thought process of the game would be faster. The ability of the player will hopefully be better. The younger player coming through will be more energetic. Um, and if you've got a coach who can bring all that together and try and marry that with the politics of South African cricket, stands half a chance. On the rest of it, man, it's, it's like from the outside, me looking in and throwing back to you. You could have Brendan McCullum, you could have Owen Morgan, you could have you know, Stephen Fleming going in to coach South Africa, do they stand a chance? Because if they don't get behind the scenes and off the field and the politics, right? And the coaches are just, they're just meaningless. That's exactly right. And they're going to have to have a look at uh, this whole notion of central contracts as well, because I think they've become redundant. Um, there's an acceptance that, uh, you know, even the smaller domestic T20 leagues pay more than, than Cricket South Africa can pay its best players. Um, and I think that they, what they're going to have to do is just abandon this idea of, of what were national contracts set up for? Were they to look after the country's best players or were they to make sure that they were available? So were they a, were they a mechanism of care or were they a mechanism of control? And I think um, it's obvious that uh, the control side of things is gone. But, but Manners, was, was, was any part of this SA20 cover the South African cricket international or the domestic going forward. So is there a pot of money? It's like in England, the 100 was rolled out, it was signed off because each county was going to get X. The country was going to get X to make sure that the whole train stays on the track and we produce very, very good cricketers. We market the game, the 100, very, very well. And the money from that will will make sure that our international players still get the, the rewards to... You know, I'll push away the other franchise leagues. I think what I'm trying to say is, in a long about ways, I normally do, is there any money from SA20 going into the central pot to pay the international players to keep them basically under the African banner? Yeah, that's the theory. Um, Cricket South Africa, in theory, owned 57% of uh, the SA20 competition and its revenues. In theory, the difference between the 100 and... The SA20, apart from the fact that one is 20 overs and one is 16.4 per team, is that the franchises in the SA20 are all IPL franchises. So India are pulling the strings. The Indian franchise teams are pulling the strings. And so we'll wait and see. It'll take a long time for that money to trickle down into the national team. Um, None of it's arrived yet. 
Uh, so there's a very, very long way to go, and I'm sure that it's a subject that we'll talk about a lot in future. We've got an awful lot to get through as well, so we need to move on. We'll push SA20 to one side. Surrey have signed Kemar Roach. That was always likely to be a long-term relationship, I think, the moment that uh, Gareth Baddy signed Kemar Roach. So he's available for the first few rounds of the county championship. Timal Mills has uh, signed. It's good news for Sussex. Uh, they need their bigger players, some of them anyway, <laughs> to recommit to the to the county. Yeah, Sri Lanka lost a last ODI to India by 317 runs. The Sri Lankan board has demanded answers. Uh, with lots of things uh, catching my mind. Gary Balance back straight back into the Zimbabwe team without playing any domestic cricket, having made that decision to leave Yorkshire and rejoin the country of his birth. And um, Mornay Morkel has joined New Zealand's uh, the New Zealand women's team's coaching staff for the upcoming Women's T20 World Cup in South Africa. I've got loads of questions to ask you about those those things. Um, so th- there you go. I've, I've changed a tactic for me this week. I've thrown everything at you. All in one go. Well, Kimar has got um, a brilliant relationship with Surrey. I don't think there's obviously many test matches for West Indies, so I'm sure he'd be a, a valuable asset in London for the next sort of four or five years, uh, even though he's at the age he's at. He's a fantastic bowler and a bit like Jimmy Anderson. Doesn't take a great deal out of him when he he bowls and he likes he does like to bowl you know for for long periods of time. So that's a good sign. And we spoke about Tamal. You know, I'm wishing him and the family all the best. And it's I read his statement when he did. He said, "I'm from Brighton. I love being in Brighton. I feel as though I'm a fully fledged Sussex player." So good on him for for staying with with that with the county. What makes me laugh? Wants to demand answers. Got beat by India. They got beaten a game of cricket. That was it. They could they could beat India next week. That's how fickle one day cricket is. You know, they won the under Chris Silverwood. They won yeah, they won the Asia Trophy. Virat Kohli. Watch Virat Kohli. Some of Virat Kohli's highlights, and it's like he's done that. To, he's done that to better bowlers than just Sri Lanka. Trust me. So yeah, Sri Lanka might win the next game. Rather have a team asking for a pay rise off the board if they if they win the next game. So. Probably just shows you again the politics of of overseas boards. Money lives in South Africa, in, in Australia, so he obviously it's just a short hop across. And obviously that the World Cup is in South Africa somewhere he knows well, so that's a good appointment. And finally, Hami, the issue which is dividing cricket, I think, on a, a worrying level, run out at the non-strikers end. And you know what? Hummy, we all know the arguments. We all know that, and some of them are very strong. As I said, it's become incredibly divisive to the point of discomfort, to my mind. And so what I thought we would do is a little cricketing experiment today because you and I are on opposite sides of the fence. I think it's fair enough. And if you talk about skill, then it, the skill for a batter, it should be timing when he leaves the crease. But But you sit on the opposite side of the fence and so what I would like to do is to see, for the benefit of our warring listeners who are on one side or the other, there's very little grey area on this topic, I would like to see whether you and I can happily, happily agree to disagree. Yeah, I think we agree to disagree. I think it's wrong. I really do. And every single, there's no skill factor to it. One bit. You just run up and stop and take the bills off if somebody's out there crease. I get the fact that somebody who's got a bat in his hand, should be able to keep it behind the line. The one thing I'm going to throw at you that matters, if that's the case, we've got the technology in place, right? Because we've got front foot no balls done by the umpires. 
So here's one for you. For the batsman to stay in place, get to the point where the ball has been released or whatever. If the batsman leaves his crease before the ball is released, then whatever happens at that ball, there's no runs involved. So the batsman get penalised. So if a, if a bowler runs up, bowls a ball, and the batsman has took an unfair advantage through the laws of the game, and he gets hits the ball through the extra cover in the run two, that becomes a dot ball because he's gained an unfair advantage. So take the runs off the batsman of what they are trying to unfair advantage. You've got the technology already in place because you're already looking for the no ball, so you can see the batsman coming out of his crease. Then that stops the man cad. It really does. It stops the man cad because the batsman will not leave his crease until the ball has been bowled because he will be penalised runs. That's the currency for me. It's runs rather than kicking somebody's wicket like that. The minute you penalise somebody from, from runs, and all of a sudden it's like it's like the over it's dark and you're losing five, six overs. If you penalise them five runs and over, they'll get on with it. They'll start running around. For me, if you penalise runs and you don't have to move technology too much because it's already in place, Front foot, no balls there. You'll be able to see the batsman at non-striker's end, whether he's left the crease or not, in gaining a, a, an unfair advantage. The problem is that uh, less than 0.01% of games are televised and they don't have the technology. I mean, my fear is that, you know, that uh, the run out at the non-striker's end or a run will become problematic at every other level of cricket that is not televised um, unless we uh, demystify it um, and... You know, unless we teach non-strikers to stay in the crease, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Um, and if they are, then they're tantamount to cheating. And if they get caught cheating, then they can be dismissed. I like your idea very much indeed. And I think we can still be friends over this. Absolutely, manners. One hundred percent, still be friends on it. But we'll agree they disagree that there's no skill level in one. One iota and somebody running up, stopping and taking the bales off. There isn't. I, absolutely. Absolutely. How about if the wicket was credited to the bowler? And if, and if, we're teaching, if we're teaching kids that, then the game's gone and the world's gone. Well, the game, world has already gone mad, but the game's gone mad. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Mathorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed. Now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to build up to England's three-match ODR series against South Africa with every ball live and exclusive on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 